Are you ready? Yes, what? <laughs> I'm glad to see you again. Okay, now you can start. Now, that is Hermit. So she translates. <laughs> Better for you. So he's going to talk about meditation. So we're going to practice Satipatthana meditation. So meditation Meditation is basically the cultivation. Cultivation of the good qualities of our mind. And what we're going to do is use um, sati, which is remembering. And we use the remembering of the moment to cultivate five good qualities of mind. And these five good qualities are sati itself, remembering, and um, steadiness of mind, samadhi, right effort, virya, um, panya, wisdom, and faith or um, Which? faith or confidence, oh. sadda, yes. Uh, Thank you. So when you meditate, Sarah says the, the most important thing he wants to remind us is that it's, it doesn't take a lot of energy to meditate. So that's the right effort bit. Not a lot of energy. Because meditation happens all day. From the moment you wake up until you fall asleep at night. You're going to be with yourself in the moment um, all day long. So you don't want to put in too much energy into every moment because you don't want to tire yourself out. And the mind has a special quality or principle uh, that governs it, which is that when you repeat something in the mind or you allow something to arise in the mind over and over again, that quality becomes stronger. So every moment that you remember to be in the present moment, you're actually strengthening all those five qualities. They call the five faculties and they actually arise together. We call that mindfulness when we're in the moment. We call it mindfulness, but it's actually five of these qualities arising together. So every moment that you remember the present moment, all these five qualities are being strengthened. So, so Sierra does not want us to worry about whether our practice is growing. He says we need to trust that if we continue to do this, just um, just continue to do it, even though it feels like nothing is happening in the beginning, if we just continue to do it and have faith in it, after a few days maybe you will start to see the effect of just remembering to be in the moment as much as you can. And he says the thing we really need to watch out for is 
is the effort bit. He always says, write effort for Virya because we can't put in too much effort. And um, and he wants us to watch out for too much effort. It can bring intention and tiredness. And the reason he wants us about using too much effort is you, because usually when we put in too much effort, it's because the mind has already uh, started to get some unwholesome de- um, motivation in the practice. So it's starting to want something out of the practice or it has an idea that it should be getting something in the practice or it's starting to reject something or resist something that it's experiencing in the moment. And this sort of thing that's greed and aversion is usually starting to push the mind when you're starting to make too much effort. And it's a habit we carry from home. He says at home, um, so much of what we do can be motivated by, you know, uh, greed and aversion, unbeknownst to us, like we need to rush somewhere. That's really a greed. We could probably get there at a normal pace in not much less time than if we rushed, but we rush because we have this uh, reaching, that's the greed um, or aversion. And these two qualities govern so much of the way we do things in life that it can easily filter into meditation. Mm. And the, and the effect of trying too hard is just that you become tired. You become tense, irritable, things start to feel hard and stressful. And it's just a sign that we're trying too hard. Okay, And um, he says that's what he calls wrong, inverted commas, wrong meditation. We're trying too hard. He says, when we um, practice steadily and we, uh, without expectation, when we practice steadily without expectation, we will find that uh, we start to feel lighter, fresher, more energized, even though we don't seem to be trying too hard. All we're trying to do, it, all we're doing is just being with the moment. So, so Siada says, when you come on retreat, please don't take the retreat too seriously. <laughs> because he says, a lot of you are actually making an effort to practice in daily life as well. You're trying to practice at home. And when you come on retreat, he says, um, don't take it up as a special time. Don't take it too seriously. Relax, enjoy yourself. He says he's been talking to yogis for so many years and he's seen that, you know, the concept of retreat comes with the concept of a lot of sitting meditation. And he says either this... The, the word retreat or the word sitting meditation can bring a lot of anxiety and tension to many yogis. So in meditation, Seattle says, it's, the important thing is more to just work steadily rather than to try very hard. 
When we don't understand nature, okay, first of all the nature of momentum, and the second thing is the nature of the mind, like when we cannot see what is in the mind, Tiara says what happens is that we try too hard too hard thinking that we need to try in order to get something. We don't we don't realize that if we just do it steadily, it will eventually we will eventually get there anyway. And the other thing is we don't see what we are getting in the moment. So Seattle says, please just work steadily. Uh, and but don't stop. Don't give up. Just keep going. Now do the right view. And the second thing that he says is most important. So the first thing was right effort. The second thing is um, right view. Because for all of us, um, wrong view can be quite strong. It can filter it without our even realizing it. And the wrong view is identification with um, what happens in the body and mind and thinking of it as me instead of a force of nature at work. When we personalize or identify with the things that we observe in this body and mind, Seattle says, it starts to become difficult. Because we personalize, if we, um, he says, well, what can happen is that the more we try, the harder it gets and the worse it gets because we're personalizing it. And the reason it gets worse is because the it's like the foundation for all the other defilements. So the other defilements are basically greed and aversion. The foundation is the delusion of personalization or identification. So when there is personalization or identification, then greed and aversion easily get a foothold. And particularly, um, Sarah says, when we watch the mind, and we identify most with our mind as being me. He says then, when we see the qualities that the mind is manifesting, Sarah says, if we identify with them, Sarah says, um, other aversion or greed can start and get worse. And he's not saying that we can remove it, but what he wants us to do is recognize it. Yeah? He's saying we we can't just not identify with our mind or, or not think that this is me. Uh, but what we can do is intellectually recognize oh, that th- this is anger, and it is anger. Mm. If we change the words we use to to uh, speak about or think about what is happening, it helps slightly to distance ourselves. And remind ourselves that this is a force of nature. This is the nature of 
greed or aversion or anxiety or tension manifesting right now. This is what it is like. So think of yourself, inverted commas, as a force of nature. And we're going to investigate, examine this, the nature of this uh, stream of consciousness, this body-mind process. The, the process of practicing Vipassana meditation is essentially a process of investigation. A process of observe, observation. We're not trying to get something or do something. We're just observing. Seattle is very important to understand the purpose, um, to understand our purpose whenever we do anything. And so when we meditate, Seattle we mustn't forget that the purpose of meditation is to observe. Right? So that's something we learn, but we don't focus on that. We focus on the, that we are just observing. So, so you see, there was this twofold thing, right? Our purpose. He says we are being present in the moment, and the first thing that happens is observation. He says we, there's a lot of gathering of information. Some of this information is gathered even if we don't notice it consciously. Just being in the moment helps the mind gather its own information. We gather some, the mind gathers others. And if we allow this this observation to continue, learning happens. Mm. And that's the purpose of observation. Mm. No, no. I and Seto is going to talk about right attitude. Um, he says there are a few things we need to um, hear about just so that it helps us to think in the right way. So thinking in the right way helps us to not have aversion or uh, aversion or greed in a moment about a situation. So the first thing that helps us to have right attitude is remembering that we are not here to try and fix anything. We're here to observe what's happening as it is so that we can understand what is happening, how it works. Mm. Uh, the second thing that helps with right attitude is remembering that between the observation, the observing, and what is observed, what is being noticed, what's more important is the observing itself. So, whatever you might be experiencing, it can be uh, states of great joy, states of great, great distress, uh, what you want to rejoice in is the fact that you are noticing this is happening. 
So you want to keep reorienting yourself to the fact that you are noticing, therefore you are observing. That helps you have right attitude about what's happening in the moment. You are present. You are aware. And these experiences that you are experiencing, you can remind yourself intellectually, they're not really me. They're a force of nature displaying its nature. So please appreciate the knowing itself, the fact that you've noticed, the fact that you, you're observing, the fact that you're aware, um, even if it might seem distressing or, uh, you know, or that you got lost in your elation, it doesn't matter, you've noticed now, appreciate that noticing is happening now. The third way it helps us to have right attitude is to remember that all these things that we observe now are happening anyway, whether we know it or not. Right? They they were always happening before, and they're happening now, they will always happen. But now we are doing adding one more thing to the equation. We we're adding the fact that we are aware of it. We're noticing it. We're observing it. And we want to um, celebrate that. We want to appreciate this awareness that we are in the moment and we know what's happening now. Mm. Um. Oh, oh, Yogis, you know, there are many, the yogis are varying, um, you know, we, some of us have been practicing a long time, some of us have not been practicing so long, and, but regardless of whether we've been practicing long or not, our mind goes up and down. Sometimes we feel like beginners and sometimes we feel like we're sailing along. And Sarah says, remember, if you are able to notice what's happening in the mind, fine, you can stay with noticing what's happening in the mind. If you're getting lost in the mind very often and not able to be observing, Sarah says, remember to come back to the body. So if you're feeling like a beginner again, come back to the body, um, start simple. Just be aware. Let the awareness build and grow. Go energy. If you have been on retreats before or had moments before at home where, you know, everything was going well, you, you know, the mind was effortlessly aware and you suddenly find you've lost it. Sarah says the important thing is to accept it. Oh, the mind isn't feeling like everything is plain sailing now. I need to start simple again. He said it's very important to recognize the quality of your mind. When it's not ready, don't push it. It's You don't have to know the mind. You just have to be aware. Yeah, so Sarah says it's so important to be honest with ourselves. The mind isn't ready right now, but the mind can still be aware of something else. It can be aware of something simple like the breath or the body. Go back to what's simple. Awareness is... 
And Sarah says, you know, although he talks so much about the mind, it doesn't mean we have to know the mind. Yes, he says, when we become able to know what's happening in the mind, yes, let yourself know what's happening in the mind. And when you know the mind, you also know what's happening in the body. When you can't know what's happening in the mind, it's too confusing or constricting or something, go back to the body, go back to what's easy. Because remember he said, don't build tension, right? Don't do something that's tense. That means you're trying too hard. Mm. So. And three things we need to have right attitude about are sounds, thoughts, and pain. Most of us react a lot to sound, um, thoughts, and pain. Um, don't think of the thinking mind, Siaro said, as bad. Yeah? The thinking is one of the natures of the mind. That's how you have to look at it. One of the very definitions of mind is that um, that which thinks it is mind. So it's the nature of the mind. And the mind has three natures uh, unique to the mind. It thinks, it knows, and it pays attention. It directs attention. So, if you notice thinking mind, Sarah says, do not despair, <laughs> do not reject it, it's, it's fine, you're noticing the, one of the uh, activities of the mind, right? Sarah says, the important thing is not to get lost in the story. You might still get lost, that's okay too. But he says, when you notice that the mind is thinking, acknowledge to yourself, oh, the mind is thinking. That's what you notice. The experience right now is that the mind is thinking. Mm. And you're knowing it. And to help yourself not get lost in thoughts. Say you try to observe the, the, the thinking mind a couple of times. If you keep getting lost, Sierra says, anchor yourself. Which means, Sierra says, the moment you notice that the mind is thinking, acknowledge it. Oh, the mind is thinking. And then use something easy to anchor the mind. Like, check. Oh, is the mind also aware of the body? Yes, it's aware of the body. And then, and then you can go back and acknowledge the mind is still thinking. And then come back to the body. So go, do this um, back and forth observation to anchor the mind to something that it is clearly knowing it's aware and then knowing the thinking mind so that it doesn't just get And the second thing is mind, uh, is sound, right? Sierra says sounds can be loud and we call it noisy or they can be soft um, or irritating. <laughs> but whatever the sound is, Sierra says, what we want to acknowledge is that we can hear. We're hearing it, right? Sounds are neither good or bad. They just sound. We're hearing it. That's all. Pain is good. And the same with pain. Yeah. 
Sarah says the important thing in all these things that we observe and notice is not to fight with what we are observing. Sarah says not to have a, a tug of war with it. Um, Sarah says if we um the bottom what what you want to recognize is that if you are beginning to struggle with the experience it means that the mind has a wrong attitude Sarah says when we have the right attitude we are neither pulling nor pushing the object it doesn't feel hard to remain aware but when we start to find ourselves struggling with our uh, experience Sarah says it could be that we are starting to have some um, greed, like expectation or aversion, and then we want to notice that. And whenever, whenever you notice that you are starting to fight with your experience, I don't like this, it shouldn't be happening, this is so nice. When you notice it, Seattle says, don't watch what you are noticing anymore. Watch the fact that you don't like it. You think it shouldn't be there. You like it. Watch that. Acknowledge, oh, the mind is liking this. Oh, the mind doesn't like this. Start to watch that. So when the mind is in uh, uh, in the right state, you know, when it's in a, a state of, of just, it's feeling steady and, and right and it's sort of like, um, it has the right attitude, Sarah says, then the mind will find that whatever it's observing, it feels quite neutral towards it. It feels um, friendly towards it. It'll be like, oh, this is happening, oh, that is happening. Yeah, you, you neither push nor pull. You're quite equanimous at that time. Mm-hmm. But those moments of equanimity might be few. <laughs> because the, the habit of the mind is really to like or not like. To judge uh, in some way or the other. And he says what we want to do is recognizing, to, to recognize that the mind has started judging and to recognize the judging. And just to know that. Just observing, noticing what's happening. And one more thing, Sarah says, as you practice here, he does want you all to notice that seeing is happening, that you are seeing and looking. And looking, whenever you notice that you are looking or seeing, and to notice that you are hearing or listening. Yes, because this is something we do a lot in our daily lives. We we see all the time. We look before we do things. We we listen. We hear. He wants us to notice these very common um, functions that we have. Uh, 
He says it's uh, um, when we practice at home and we don't notice seeing, hearing, listening and looking, Sarah says it's very easy to look at something and then start having a judgment. Uh, very easy to get lost in it if we just if we don't notice that function is happening. Um, so it's a helpful tool and it's also available to us all the time. So make ourselves um, as familiar with this, these functions as we can. Mm. In life we look and see all the time and because we're not aware that we're looking and seeing, Sarah says, so much follows that function. We see and we look and he says there's a torrent of of thoughts, judgments and, and ideas that come in, things we have to do or not do and all that sort of thing. All that comes in with this simple function and we miss all of that, Sarah says, because we don't notice that we are seeing and looking. And he says in a place like this, it's so easy to get lost in what we are looking at, the view, or what we see. Um, you know, it, it's easy to just want to indulge in the beauty of everything. So notice, make make um, make use of that. Okay, notice that you could be indulging, but notice that you're looking, notice that you're seeing. So you add that observation. And only speak when necessary. And that really means you don't need to speak. At all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can walk anywhere you like. Walk naturally and just be aware. Shadow says he thinks that's it, right? <laughs> Enough. <laughs> He'll fill in the gaps. You'll see him every day. I mentioned the interview schedule. Do you have any questions now? Uh, sorry, yes? Yes, Seattle is definitely encouraging noble silence. And there's a reason for that. Um, Seattle has found um, through his many retreats that when he, you know, although he tells yogis you can speak, but you have to be mindful. The fact is, many people just lose their mindfulness when they speak after like 15 seconds. <laughs> you know, um, so he's found that, especially because these retreats are short, it's really not helpful to speak at all, because we don't have the chance to build the momentum, because we keep getting pulled away from it. And then a lot of self-blame, and you know, and we start having to observe that. It's still part of the learning, but it's just And he says, what it will bring up for you is that you will start noticing that you want to speak, and you have to watch that. Okay, so when you want to speak, you watch that, and watch, and it becomes part of your observation. Yeah, when we think that we can speak when necessary, what happens is even though it may not be necessary, we don't even have time to decide. We're already speaking, and we're losing our, you know, our mindfulness. And and he's found that you know the retreats can just descend into a babble fest. 
you know, just everybody's talking and everybody loves to discuss Dhamma and then they think they're practicing Dhamma but they're losing and losing a lot of time and opportunity. So, so stay in yourself, Sarasthas, and if you want to speak, speak during the interview. Yes. Um, what is the recommendation regarding reading or uh, looking at uh, phones and that kind of thing? Same recommendation. Think about whether it's necessary. Uh, is it a life and death matter? Do you need to reply to that message? Uh, he never really wants to ever control our lives because he says, you know, we have to live it. And so he never wants to say, uh, don't. But he does want us to remember to be mindful. That's what he wants us to bring into our lives. So bring in mindfulness first, and then and then think about it. But, but when it comes to reading, Seattle says he encourages us to read about this practice, if you all have the books or whatever. Um, but even then, he says... Um, you need to gauge your limit. What's helpful for you? If it's supporting your practice, do it. Yeah? But gauge your limits. No, no. Yes? Uh, yes? Can we allow to walk slightly beyond the gate for walking? Yes. So long as you're mindful, <laughs> so long as you're practicing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So ask yourself, why am I, yeah. why am I walking where I am walking? <laughs> yeah, what's my motivation? <laughs> he says, ask yourself, do you need to do something there? If you have something to do, he says, go there mindfully and do it. But if there's no particular, he says. Uh, no particular need, he says, we can start just using it as a way to, um, you know, fill this mind. And don't be, if you, if you want to step out, don't be out beyond 5. Be back in the gates by 5 p.m. Okay? He says there's a forest upwards. Don't go towards town. No good, no good. <laughs> <laughs> he says, no good towards town. Go upwards towards the mountains. <laughs> maybe, maybe take a friend along for safety. Yeah? He says, that way is good, this way. <laughs> he says, more trees. <laughs> yeah, because there are many steps here, there are many yogis. Yeah, that's why. He says, know yourself. Know what you're capable of, how much mindfulness you can muster. Stay within the limits of what your mindfulness, uh, what can leave you with mindfulness still on you. Like a jacket, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Don't do what other people do, Sarah says. Do what suits you. Yeah. He says, and whatever we want to do, he says, stop a while and think about what we're going to do, why we're going to do it. Just consider it mindfully before we decide. Okay. Yes. 